0: Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. We have Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Make sure to follow and subscribe. So, Got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Something happened for the first time in seven years. And any time you have something happening only once out of the past seven years, it's pretty exciting. So there's a tweet from Steve Harney of Keeping Current Matters, and he shows the new listing data based on the number of new homes that come to the market over a monthly basis dating back to 2017. And for the first time since 2017 the number of new homes that came to the market in the month of August beat out the month of July. And this could mean a lot of things. Uh, it is something about to happen? Are people getting okay with the sticker shock of seven plus percent rates? Maybe people without a mortgage are making a move to where they can buy all cash from the equity that they gained over the past few years. Or maybe some people are just looking at, Hey, I need to move. I'm not going to wait anymore. Rates aren't coming down. There's a lot to unpack here, and we're going to get into all the economic data. What's your initial reaction to this, ladies? Because I, I was excited to see this, because this is kind of what a lot of home buyers have been waiting for.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's definitely exciting to see that line go up. As you look at this chart, though, you'll also see uh, the year of 2023, just as a whole, is well below a lot of the other years. But still, good news to see that to see that tick up. That certainly is something that... Um, buyers are, are waiting for. Yeah, I think that uh, people are just probably realizing
2: this is going to be, it's more normal than not.
1: Mm-hmm. What we
2: had in the past with the interest rates was not normal. Right. And and I know that people wished it and want it to be and continue to be normal, but it's not. It's never been. Um, there was very unique set of circumstances called the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that is why the interest rates were so low? this is definitely more normal, so I think people are willing to accept it. They're tired again, I'll go back to everybody's put their lives on hold for so long for the pandemic and even longer for you know this interest rates. so they're like, okay, let's move on. Or, you know, you don't have a crystal ball, nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now. so let's stop holding up our lives if we need to move, we have to move and let's go right.
0: I would argue the savvy consumer is the one listing their home right now because rates are very clearly going to go down at some point. Who knows when? I'm kind of skeptical. We've talked about this last week of these 6% rates happening towards the end of the year. We've got a Fed meeting coming up in two weeks. We'll talk about that as well. There's still a lot of demand out there. I mean, people are still seeing multiple offers. You're still seeing property sell above the asking price. There was a home. I sold this in Westchester, it was listed at 600,000 that they bought it about a year ago for like in the fives. It sold for $720,000. And this is a nice. I, I mean, good for them, right? I mean, yeah. they just made a killing. I mean, on on that. I mean, they're going to have some capital gains tax to deal with, which is in, in a good that's way. Okay. Uh, but I mean, this is a, a property that was held just for a couple, you know, a couple years. So as more inventory comes to the market, you want to be the one that's taking advantage when there's not a lot of folks out there doing the same thing. And what what we've seen is that, I mean, they're, they're, th- th- this number coming up, I mean, hopefully it's a sign of things to come because I, I don't see inventory skyrocketing here, by the way. I yeah. look at this as it's going in the right direction because it's been so low, and there's still buyers trying to wait out the market. And I'd be really careful if I was that buyer because when rates do come down, remember what it was like when the market opened up mm-hmm. in 2020? It was just like, the, and, and, and it took a little time. Like the first day, people were out, but then like, Three months later, it got pretty bananas and and pretty incredible in terms of what we were seeing happen. And then twenty twenty one was even wilder. So, I, you know, I I would look at this as it's almost like that showing line. Remember how we watched the showing time graph during the pandemic yeah, about yeah, like what's happening in Pennsylvania, and we saw that little blip up. Mm-hmm. This could I don't, and we're not going to see this skyrocket. I, I want to be really clear because people are still going to be locked in just some people just, they've had enough. They want to move and, and they they can't time it anymore. And that that that's a real factor. I mean, are you, are you feeling that sentiment in the market? Have you had anyone that maybe has been someone you've been working with for a while and they just said, screw it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do a transaction or list my house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, people who, you know, what was interesting about like the case that's popping in my head right now is it wasn't people that were like busting out of the house and it was like, we must move. Like we don't fit here anymore. Um, It was more, you know, they thought they were going to be longer term. They've been kind of casually looking for a while and like the right opportunity came up and they are, you know, an example of somebody that was locked into a very low interest rate. um, But the outcome outweighed that piece of it. And like eventually like that line's going to teeter for for different Mm -hmm. people. And the benefit of doing the move and maybe sacrificing that low interest rate, but to be in a house that makes sense, like that outweighs it at some point. And I feel like for like the the skyrocketing that we're saying isn't isn't coming. I think like for all these different pieces, whether it's interest rates or um, you know, how many homes are are up and on mm-hmm. and on the market, you don't want to see like major skyrockets rockets or major dips, even if it is a good thing, like you don't want that to all hit exactly at once. So it's, you know, slow and steady is kind of the the best way. <laughs> yeah, I think slow and steady is always the best way. I mean, people are uh, a little
2: leery with the interest rates, the way that they're going up and down mm-hmm. just on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of, you know, um, from like 7.5 to back down to 7.125 and then back up to 7.5. Mm-hmm. I and mean, people yeah. are, are kind of, you know, nervous about those moves, let right. alone if if there were, we had you know big numbers, one big swings one way or another with uh, the housing inventory. Yeah, if we had a ton of inventory come on, then people would get nervous, right? And mm-hmm. especially sellers, like oh my gosh, look at this competition. Is my house going to sit? There's a whole other set of problems that could arise from right. that. <laughs> right. So steady as she goes is definitely yeah. the plan. So with my clients, yeah, they uh, the majority of them that really decided to to list were because of they did have. Situations that you know mm-hmm. they wanted to get bigger, you know, mm-hmm. into a bigger home or they were downsizing, yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the situation, but um, I can see where other sellers, uh, that have been on the fence, you know, would be really considering let's let's move or let's do something here and yeah, retire to waiting, mm-hmm. right?
0: We we just talked about somebody who's been in our system for how since like 2016 2019, something mm-hmm. like that, and we're finally, and it's been a tag team ever. This is not like a one person thing. And it's, it's the guy's finally ready to start doing something. And it just, it, it, it I, I mean, for him, it's a different situation. He doesn't have to go buy another home or, or do something else, but it it just takes time in some of these cases. And I don't know the market's going to get any better for sellers because when rates do come down, which they will at some point, we're going to see a lot more people come to the market. And that's the mistake that you never want to be the one that misses the market. Like, and, and we've been saying this for a while. So, I'm glad to see some people are starting to pay attention, and I'm clear there's going to be a window here to still take advantage, at least for the next 12 weeks, and then we'll see what happens in the in the holiday season and in December when things historically do slow down. This is how the market's always been in the Northeast. You get that back-to-school bump, you have that 12-week window, and then there's still opportunities, but just not as many. So some of the other data coming out, um, we saw purchase applications, they fell 2% week-to-week. We saw rates, they've, they've still been bumping around to that like 7 and an eighth to 7.5 range, and we've got some important data coming out this week. So towards the end of the week, we're going to see a couple reports that the Fed will certainly be scrutinizing. The two inflation reports specifically, the CPI data and the PPI data, that will give us a sense of where inflation is running. And obviously, CPI is the one they really look at. We've already seen unemployment come back as as a – again, I don't see it being favorable. I don't think anyone here does – but the, the Fed certainly sees it that way. And we've got this meeting coming up in two weeks, so a little over a week from today. And it's likely that we're going to see a 93 percent chance that the Fed does not raise rates as of right now. I'm clear this inflation report is going to be pretty important. How do you see the rest of September playing out? Are we, What are we going to see the Fed do? What's the rest of the, of the month going to be like for people that are thinking about buying or selling a home right now?
2: I think that, um, I mean, it's speculated that the inflation numbers that are going to come out this week are not going to be where the feds want them to be, the magic 2%, um, just because the energy costs are higher. So even though they leave those out, it still spills into some other areas. Um, that being said, they might, I think the feds might raise um, another, yeah. So
0: you're going against the grain here, Stacy. I
2: know. It's now, new- this isn't, this
0: isn't, state. <laughs> this is uh, the CME group. They make these predictions. It's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a rolling average.
2: Yeah. So I, I think they might raise it. That's where I am today because of what I was hearing coming in. They were speculating that the inflation
1: numbers are not going to be favorable. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I kind of think I, my thought is that this meeting they don't raise. Um, but I think, you know, The next one, they will. Um, In terms of, you know, what does this look like for the consumer buying and selling? I think that this pocket that we're in right now has a lot of opportunity. Um, You just have to be motivated and serious. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> right. And I think you have to look at the bottom bottom line numbers,
2: too. Mm-hmm. So factor in your monthly payment. I mean, that's the most important thing, mm-hmm. getting right. into a house. What's it going to cost me monthly, including my taxes, any HOAs, you know, things like that, insurance? What's that number? Can right. you do that number?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you kind of have to um, think of it like that as opposed to, you know, oh, my gosh, it's an 8%,
1: you know, mortgage right. rate. Right. So, Find out if, yes. yeah, if you can do the monthly, don't let like the whole number completely get you overwhelmed, like right. break and it lose down your opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, see, see if you can make that monthly piece fit. And also for the buyers out there, how long do you plan on being in this home? Are mm-hmm. you going to be there for several years, for five years, for 10 years? Um, and the kind of think big picture. Yeah. I think that's what, how people
2: have to wrap their heads around it, right? You know, when you when you buy a car, that's one thing that people don't ever really ask: mm-hmm. what's my interest rate? Right? You know, what do they ask? What's my monthly payment? Right, right, right. So we need to think of it that way.
0: That that's really great advice, and and I would argue there's actually some pros to selling and buying in the current environment, and and we're we're gonna run through them here. So because a lot of people they they to your point like no one ever does ask like I, car purchases are wild to me because the payments are astronomically high I, I don't like the idea of a car payment in general um and it's you know when you get these new sexy cars I mean you're talking about like thousands of dollars a month it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty incredible so for, for sellers what what some of the pros of, of transacting right now we still got very high demand there, there's still a lot of intent in the marketplace and if your home's not seeing traffic it's probably priced too high mm-hmm. I mean that, that that's kind of the what we've seen across the board, um, there's less competition on the market than there will be when rates are going down because people are going to have potentially, and and that means better price and better terms. So you know, like the waiving of home inspections, right? There's still some of that going on, probably not as common as we saw as we saw about a year ago. This is right when the market started to shift, and really the best time is to be on the market when the neighbors are not. Um, you might be less affected by higher rates because of your cash position and what you're buying, it, it, especially if you're coming in with a high down payment and you're getting like a $100,000 loan versus a $500,000 loan. That that, that could be pretty advantageous. Um, some buyers may take a break from the market, which means that people uh, the people looking right now are typically really serious. I don't think there's any buyer out there there right now that's not doesn't have a lot of intent. I mean, do you have anyone that's kicking tires or... Are are your,
1: always, well, okay, always, <laughs> but
0: you're, your people that I mean, you already know this though. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but the people in general that are looking, I mean, you've, you've each had some listings sell over the past couple weeks. There, there's people with intent mm-hmm. on oh, that. Yeah. I mean, you, you sold that. How much was that listing that you just sold? It was on uh, the prop, the property on picket.
1: Um, it was listed at, should I give like what it was listed and what it's yeah, looking yeah. for?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I just want to give an idea for the price point and what kind of activity you saw.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was listed at 500,000 went for 550 had a handful of very very strong offers in all good terms all um you know good good price point um and then there were you know additional agents that kind of reached out I mean it could have been more offers but there were agents that were you know would call in and say like are we even would this even mm-hmm. be considered and you know my answer is always I will present any and all offers but like No't <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> do how, how, how
0: many showings did you have though like what was the traffic numbers? I think that's probably even more telling than anything else. So
1: this hit the market on Friday of a holiday weekend and we were under contract Monday had an open house on Saturday between so just Friday, Saturday, Sunday because we had set an offer deadline for Sunday um I mean probably like fifteen to twenty showings um.
0: Which so, is, so a year ago, that would have been like 50 Yeah, is my point. So you still got and, – and out of those, you have let's say there's four offers, three offers that came in, whatever the number is. You got basically 25% of people writing an offer. Mm-hmm. So they, they have high intent. These people aren't messing around. Right. And then, was there any like negative feedback of reasons why people didn't move ahead? Like
1: The only on, – like honestly, the only ones that were – and it wasn't even negative feedback, but, uh, you know, this is the first house mm-hmm. that my client has looked at. Like mm-hmm. we're very early sure. in the search. Um, Things of that nature.
0: So, so, and that that really demonstrates my point is that if you got twenty five percent of everyone coming to look at a home, writing an offer, that means people have intent right now. So, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I, I people always talk about waiting until the spring. I I'm a big believer that you want to look at the market conditions and make a decision based on that. So, yeah. that 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 uh, case study is really helpful. Prices are still rising is another pro. And if you already got a new home, I mean, there's like no downside to selling right, right now. I think that's that's the obvious. Part. If you're living somewhere else and you're sitting on a vacant property or so, or you know where you're landing don't wait until the until the beginning of the year. Now for for buyers some of the pros is that I see less competition for buyers right now. Are you yep. seeing the same thing? You, you you had that you've had a couple offers accepted Stacy where I mean did you was it less competitive than you thought it was going to be or, or tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, it was less competitive. Um the one offer that we got accepted, we got in super early and I was just constantly on that agent. <laughs> yeah. And uh and then another offer came in because we were trying to really push, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a quick response. But then another offer came in and got competitive, so we had to get a little, you know, more competitive. So we did some, you know, uh, buying uh, or covering the seller's transfer tax. So that put my clients over the edge, but um, it was just the two offers. But they did cancel the two open houses over the weekend. Wow. So, yeah, because, it, you know, the, the seller was um, – They weren't out for looking for 10 offers on the home. They just, it was, they had a couple great offers in hand. They wanted to wrap it up sooner than later too. So
1: lucky for us. Right. And I think that oftentimes your, those first offers that come in are the best, you know, Mm -hmm. like if they've, if you've got a handful of good, strong, solid offers, the likelihood that. All of a sudden, a week later, something's going to come through that just like blows your socks off. Like, I feel like those early ones are the people that are motivated. They got out there right away Mm because they wanted to see it. They wrote the offer right away. They were they wanted to get it in. They didn't want to miss it. And like, that's kind of the client that you want to work with. That was 100 percent this client because they (laughs) saw the house
2: come. It was coming soon. Yeah, we that day that it was hitting the yep. market, we were like in early afternoon. Yep. had the offer in by that night. So yeah. yeah, there was real motivation. They they submitted a number of offers on other homes and missed out. So they were, and this was the one. Perfect. This was the one. It so all worked it worked out. It all works out. So the other ones that they missed out on, they don't feel bad about, and they they're like, Whoa, I'm glad we didn't get under contract right? with those other ones." Yeah. So. It does work out. But for buyers, yeah, I think right now there is a little less competition, although, you know, those people that missed out are still looking. Right. So the house that you had listed, those buyers are still going to be out there. Mm -hmm. So there's still going to be competition, but not that fever pitched. where, you know, you're up against 15, 20 offers.
1: Right.
0: Sarah, you make a great point there that you don't want the buyer that's like hemming and hawing about the property. You want the buyer that wants the house because when they want the house, the likelihood of it going to settlement is a lot higher. and uh these these competitive situations and and we've seen this the people blow out of them a lot of times because they're like, oh, what did I get myself into? Did right. I really want to pay that mm-hmm. for this house and And the first offer, I mean we I said this to many clients is usually the best offer, sometimes the only offer and that's mm-hmm. before we got into this kind of climate. so I, I do agree that you want people that have intent. I, I think that's that, that that's really smart and there, there there is more opportunity out there right now and and I'm clear it's the opportunity for buyers to get the home that they want. Not the home that they had to settle for maybe six months ago. Uh, I mean, are you seeing buyers at least find homes that forget the financials involved, which are a big part of this? Are, Are they seeing homes that they're saying this could be a good fit for me? This is what I'm looking to do.
2: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The two most recent ones I got under contract, it was like their
1: perfect home. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know. I love it. That's, Although that's why I, I do this. <laughs> yeah. When I know you were saying uh, earlier that, um, you know, for buyers, they're maybe going to be more likely to get some of the inspections and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like there was a like a little chunk of time earlier where I noticed that more. I feel like now, at least for some for some of the homes, um, I'm I'm seeing a lot more of like waving. on When yeah. those. Um it depends on price point, but too. it depends on price point. Yeah, yeah. if it's at real competitive price point, yeah, definitely they
2: got to waive. Yeah, um, but if it's a higher price point and there's other things involved like subtech right. and things like that, then yeah, yeah, those yeah. But there's still concessions on those inspections. Mm-hmm. There's still, you know, my buyers are still conceding like the first twenty five thousand. Yeah, in mm-hmm. any defects that could that might be found, so there's still concessions. It's not just like full on inspections and back to negotiations you know right well,
0: that used to be an option in the agreement of sale they had this option too where there was a threshold of of defects that the buyer would accept and then they got rid of it to make it simpler mm-hmm. i I've, you know it's it, it's very funny how stuff happens like that they, they got rid of that and now everyone's putting it in and typing <laughs> up their own which is right why not just have right. it in the agreement in the first place Yep. shows what our local board and and, and associations do for us that's a whole nother story so we, and and I do I think what I look at is that there there is the opportunity to negotiate given the circumstances right. and it's, it's all circumstantial because even in a bad market the best homes sell quickly with multiple offers if you're on one of those streets or and, and you know what I'm talking about you pull up and nothing's sold in the neighborhood in two years there's probably people watching the neighborhood yeah. wanting to get in that's just how it is yeah and and I would imagine and, and this is just a prediction I have you're gonna see people living in homes longer because of all this because they don't want to have to deal with the stress and the cost of moving again and then try to take advantage of the market when rates do come down to refinance, which is another pro. I mean, and this isn't like marry the house, date the rate nonsense. This is the reality of buying a home. I mean, I don't know what the first rate was on everyone's home here. I, I had a home at like seven and a half and then rates went down. We refinanced Twelve. rates went down. Okay, there you 11. go. <laughs>
2: and then, yeah.
0: But rates went down. You yes. probably refinance that. That's a Absolutely. normal thing that happens yes. when you're in a normal market. So there's some reasons to transact here and the, the, the sign of, of inventory popping up for the first time and seeing that, you know, while rate locks are, have, are down 2%, I mean, that just means that there's less people buying right now. So even more opportunity to kind of jump into the market. So w- what advice do you have? And then we'll, we'll, we'll leave after this. You're talking to someone, let's say they're thinking about selling and buying and they're, they're not intertwined. They can do them independently. What advice are you going to tell a potential seller who could list and sell their home now? And what are you telling a potential buyer?
2: For sellers, um, I'm definitely telling them don't miss the opportunity. It's still very, very aggressive seller's market. You know, you can um, test the waters if you want to go a little bit higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's a good time to still do that. Um, obviously, the homes that are priced accordingly do get the competitive multiple offers. Um, but if sellers are very curious about, you know, how they can push the limit here, it, mm-hmm. it's still the opportunities there. And to... Um, you know, if there's questions about what you should and shouldn't do to prep the home, uh, definitely get with, you know, a qualified agent, Mm -hmm. find out it, it might not be worth to renovate the bathroom. Right. It might not be worth to change out the carpeting in that, you know, in the basement or whatever. There's, there's things that sellers, it weighs on their minds. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what we need to do to prep the house and, um, just, Take advantage of the opportunity now. You don't want to look back and say, oh, we should have listed it then. Um, and for buyers, same thing. You, you can't be hyper-focused on the interest rates. Really, you know, drill down and see what the monthly payments are. It's going to be different in different school districts because the tax bases are different. Great point. So, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that your agent is capable and willing to run cost sheets Mm-hmm. If you're looking in Westchester School District, TE, Radnor, wherever you're looking, they're all going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I took uh, some folks out this weekend, and that's what happened. We were in all these different school districts. One district, Wallingford, Swarthmore, had you know their taxes were $10,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same price point as all the houses that we're looking at in Westchester mm-hmm. and um, other areas. But that put them over the edge as far as their monthly payment. So you really have to be very aware of these kind of things. So your agent should you know, be very versed in how to explain that right. and how to provide you with those two very important numbers. What's the monthly payment gonna be and what's it gonna
1: cost me to get into this home? Yeah.
0: Um so what about sellers? We got buyers. That's on lock. Sarah, what do you think about sellers?
1: For sellers. Um I mean I think absolutely now is the time to um go ahead and like interview the agents. Um, you know, if it's somebody from our team, you probably only need that one interview. But if you want to, if you want to like interview multiple people, like now's the time to do that, get, get the home prepped and ready, um, get the game plan in place and know that this is like, this is the time to do it. Um, so yeah, I guess just kind of explaining the process and then finding out, you know, obviously a very important piece is, What happens if this sells within 30, like if you get under contract within 30 days and we're closed, you know, and they want a 30 day close, like Mm -hmm. where, where are you going? What are you doing? Do you have another place to be? Do we need to explain, you know, rent backs and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just making sure that all those pieces are in place. So if everything does go according to plan, like where are you going next? Right. (laughs) Um,
0: it's probably the most important question to ask a seller. That's right. like the mm-hmm. uh, if you were to break down LP mama into a seller question, the, the one question you want to ask is, where, where are you planning on moving to? Because they don't know,
1: mm-hmm. they're not selling their house. Yeah.
0: And, and and so many agents, I see them like they try to go in and like convince them it's the great time to sell. They, they don't have a place to go. Right. They're not moving. Right. They, 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 yeah. it's, it's that Can't simple. Be
1: homeless.
0: <laughs> I mean, rarely are people like, Hey, I'm going to cash out high now. And mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's usually they're, they're, there's a motivator there. So that's a great point.
1: And then what I would add for buyers for this market is, you know, we talk a lot about you've you've got location, you've got price point, and you've got condition of the house. So getting clear on what ranks number one and then, like, when properties that fit that kind of come up and are the right fit if they're, you know, feeling as though, yes, the location is right and the price point is right, but this is a good bit of work, kind of bringing it back to um, – You know, we could we could switch up the order of what's important here, but then we might not get this location. So just rechecking in throughout the process, especially if you've been working with people for a while to make sure they're still ranking things in the same order that they were when you first started working with them. Because, you know, as people go out and see all these homes, like maybe something there shifts, maybe all of a sudden the location isn't as important and it is more like condition of the house or vice versa.
0: Well said. So. Inventory's up. A lot of stuff to think about here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about whose fault it is that we are in this low inventory, high rate situation next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. Or give us a call at 610 439 8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around the
3: clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender, NMLS 128501.
0: The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E dot com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we've got this, this article. I, I, I couldn't resist myself talking about it here. Um, it's by Ron Insana of CNBC, and he basically asked his questions, uh, and, and I, I want to get your take on it before I even go there. Is the Federal Reserve the cause of the unrelenting upward pressure on single-family home prices, and are they also the reason the supply of existing single-family homes hovers near historic lows? Straw poll. what do you two think?
1: <laughs> well, we love to beat up on the Fed, yeah. so yeah, I say yes. <laughs> yep, I'm in agreement.
0: So, Ron Insana also says yes. So, here's some of the the stats behind it. And I I really want to get your take on this in all seriousness. We kind of knew that it was a loaded question there that I asked. So, um, existing home sales were 16.6% below that of a year ago, while the inventory of unsold homes rose to 3.3 months. That's pretty high compared to what we're dealing with, by the way, because we're Mm -hmm. seeing basically a month in the suburbs and three and a half months in the city of Philadelphia. But it's well below the average, and what he goes on to talk about is the you know the 27 year low of uh, mortgage rates and that, and and uh, and, and more, or the 27 year low of mortgage demand, excuse me. And he goes through all these reasons. Um, the first thing he talks about is people being stuck at home and the ultra low mortgage rates, which kind of got us into this situation in the first place. So, what, what what what's your take on those? I mean, it's the the you know the uh, the, how, how that kind of drove a lot of this i mean i've got a theory on this and it, it's all it, it all kind of makes sense but what, what what's your take on that being stuck at home and seeing those two three percent rates
2: yeah i think i mean to encourage the economy to grow since we were shut down for covid they that's i mean they the the interest rates were at such a historic low level um so it's kind of like be careful what you wish for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's always consequences. Right. Well, these are the consequences now. That's super high inflation. They they put a bunch of money into the economy to keep it going, um, and and this is the result of that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so you know where they're they, where they were kind of trying to um, help. You know, everybody sustain and businesses sustain, and and to get through this pandemic, they also now are causing, um, you know, the lock-in effect. The lock-in effect, especially because that that's the point. The sellers are stuck. You know, they have these great rates, three, four percent. They're like, why would why am I getting into a seven and a half percent? We just talked about all that, but not only that, it's it's the uh, the interest rates on the credit cards too that are causing such, um, a negative effect on people. Mm -hmm. You know, people are feeling that for sure. You know, when they're using their credit cards for more things like groceries and and energy costs, um, you know, their, their rates are high and and their monthly payments are high on their credit cards.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes total sense (laughs) that (laughs) when you've got, um, you know, you've got these low rates, like that's not, um, an unimportant thing to look at mm-hmm. as you're, you know, talking to different sellers and and looking at what makes the most sense for you. Like, I mean, that's a huge factor.
0: So uh, you're, you're both right on. And, and what, what Ron and Sana talks about here is that they, there's, there's been this ultra low mortgage rate sort of environment since the financial crisis in 2008. Not as low as what we saw during like 2020 to 2022, but... Mm-hmm this is not the only time we've seen rates get to like three or four. I mean, they've kind of gone up and down a little bit and they've hovered around there. And you know, what kind of exasperated the problem was people weren't allowed to do anything. So they saved up all this money and they're like, well, I'm just going to go buy a house because all all the disposable income and, and, and then the spending that the economy was missing got put towards housing. And that created this demand in the first place. And they, you know, and it kind of created these people that are saying, well, I'm, I'm locked in. Lance Lambert's uh, you know, uh, term, Sarah, used it perfectly. Well, I'm locked in now. I can't move anywhere. And now we've seen the spread on the 10-year treasury yield and 30-year mortgage rates. It's up to three full percentage points. And historically, that's like one and a half to two. So if the Fed continues to raise rates about the rising shelter's costs, and that's their that's their combative tool they're going to use, then those rising shelter costs would then become like a, like a self-reinforcing cycle forcing the fed to continue to hike rates. So they're kind of in this situation where they've backed themselves into a corner. Um, and it could cause more inflation to happen. And, and that, that's what I'm really concerned about here. If they continue to raise rates, because everything's going to cost more. Um, so the, the, the second point that he has here is that it's time for the fed to stop tightening. Um, there's, precious and, and there there's very little the Fed can do about it. Um, but if they keep hiking rates and, you know, obviously the days of like two to 4% mortgage rates are over, if they keep hiking rates, it's just going to, it's going to make the problem even worse. So, you know, his theory is that basically you got to let this play out and stop micromanaging the situation. So, I mean, what, if you were chairman of the Fed, ladies, what would you do at this next meeting? <laughs>
2: I would have not raised rates the past couple of times just to let things organically try to work out on their own. Right. So, but, you know, we're not the Fed. But, yeah, the next one, I would definitely say, no, don't – we're not going to – we're just going to let things
1: settle down, let things cool off, let's reevaluate, come back in a couple of months. Right. I mean, I think that sometimes the more they do, the worse situation it Mm -hmm. it puts people in. So maybe, like, do a little less and let things – like, iron themselves out a little bit. I also would have to assume that there are quite a few people whose job is to look and see what happens if this happens, right? Like, to kind of, like, predict You, you would where, imagine, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe lean into that data more like it I don't know why it like it keeps on seeming to be like a surprise that like these different things are happening and I would have to assume that there are very smart people that are like it is their job to kind of like predict what if we do this this is what will happen here and I mean I know that like you know you can't predict everything but I would just think there would be more of a like playbook for if this is what's going on how do we like Combat it without it negatively impacting all these other sectors, but that's not I mean, my job.
0: Well, lo- logic would reason that you're right, and uh, one of the challenges here we're in uncharted territory because we had this this pandemic we came out yeah. of. I mean, when have we seen the economy shut down like that before? Right. Uh, I mean, maybe in like the 1920s where we didn't have those measurables and data and everything else. Um, with you know, like the, the, the there's all sorts of diseases where that's happened. I mean, it's it's not the first time. So. We're in uncharted territory, but it was it was so extreme what the policy was that hey we're going to just go to zero. And they did the same thing back in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight was much different because you had these these mortgages that were just based on like literally like they took your pulse, Sarah and the, or Stacey, <laughs> and they're like okay you're approved for eight hundred thousand. Congratulations, and, right. and that's kind of how it went. So I, I I mean you would think they have better advisors. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's kind of the whole point of this. So. If they had better advisors, that'd be great. It, doesn't, it seems like they're measurables they use. We've talked about this. They use all this like dated, sort of wacky, antiquated mm-hmm. ways to measure things. And I think that's another part of the problem is they don't look at the real-time data. you got people like Barry Sternlight saying, hey, your metrics are off. Mm-hmm. And they say, we're going to raise rates. Right. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a challenge there. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, there's enough smart people in the country that, you know, political affiliation aside, unfortunately, that's not part of this. You, you could have gotten some better data here. Right. So I, I, I agree with you. I just don't know that the decision makers always want to hear it from those folks either.
1: Right, they don't. Right.
2: They don't. It's, it's a power struggle. You know, it's like, no, we're in charge and we're going to do it this way. Right. And it's just like, dude, big picture. Like, they're like, we don't care. This is how we've done right. it in the past. We're going to continue to do it this way. And this is how right. we know. And we're going to, you know, move forward with our methods here. Right. And that's it.
0: Sounds yeah. like old real estate agents.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will not use dot loop or boontown. No. I'm going to use paper and pen. But yeah, that's that's what I think. I think they're just um they're stuck in their system. And this is how we're going to do it. And they're not open-minded. Yeah. Things change, you know? Things you have to come up to the times. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So I, I mean, it, you know, it's it's great to point fingers here. I, I think the tough part about this article, like this is, it's I think it's well thought out. I mean, Ron Insana, he looks like he's, he's writing something that's well thought out here. I'd love to see like some solutions. Like this, I mean, mm-hmm. it, where it's, hey, here's what to do next. Or I've analyzed the data, and this guy, you know, his job's to write opinions and commentary for CNBC. What happens next? I'd love to see. Hey, here's a way to solve this. I think that the immediate solve is stop raising rates at the meeting in two weeks. That would be one. And then secondly, maybe stop raising them again and just let this play out over maybe a quarter or something like yes. that or some sort of incentive for sellers to sell their home because yeah. they have no incentive right now.
2: That would be great.
0: And, and here's the challenge with this. I mean, you have and if you think about it, they got a capital, you got a capital gains issue, which is, which is something that some of these investors, they're going to have problems liquidating their properties. Mm-hmm. Sellers are almost penalized now for having a lower rate. You got a three and a half and you got to go to seven to go buy something new. Mm -hmm. What incentive is there to do that? Especially if you're like, imagine the downsizer. Like not only are you moving to a smaller home and it's, let's say it's not health related because that's usually a a lot of downsizers move for that reason. And your, your, your rate's going to be double. Mm
1: -hmm. Right.
0: List your house. Like there's there's no incentive. Right the incentive that the Obama administration put out there in 2008 was for buyers to buy. They got an $8,000 tax credit. And there was people that were like coming out of the woodwork to use that. Um, And if there was an incentive or a tax incentive for sellers, I could see that solving this. I don't think that's even something that anyone has even thought about. And that's the challenge with the market. It's, Hey, we got to get inflation down. We got to get, you know, costs down. Well, what about an incentive for sellers? What about changing some laws with a portable mortgage rate, where you could take your debt and bring it to another home and purchase it that way? Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to high C-level executives at, at major lenders about this, and there's just no way to do it. The laws don't exist. That would solve a lot of these problems.
2: What was that second part again?
0: So a portable mortgage rate, right? Let's say you're in a eight hundred thousand dollars house. Mm-hmm. That's a downsized number. You want to move to something at four, and you got three hundred left on your loan. Well, you you take the three hundred, and you say, hey whoever your lender is, I'm bringing this debt with me and applying it. And I, I think that like, if, if you had a portable rate yeah. or some way to bring the debt, the debt with you, it's kind of like an assumable FHA loan. I was just going to say, it's but,
1: almost like a reverse assumable where you're yeah. like,
0: yeah. I mean, and I, I've talked to people about this and I think the problem is the, the laws are just not there. And by the time anything gets passed, Ugh. who the heck knows where we're going to be. That, that That's right. the challenge here. And, and I, I just don't know that the housing market's going to change anytime soon. I think we're going to see a lot more of this the next couple of years where we're just dealing with low inventory and I would imagine people are going to start living in their homes a lot longer. When I got into the business, mm-hmm. I sound like one of those people. Um <laughs> it was like 7 years was the average, right? That's going up to 11 plus. Okay. So that's almost like a, it's a, a full half has been added on mm-hmm. over a 20 year period. Wow. So I, I'm clear you're going to see more people living in their homes longer. I mean, that's just the, 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 the reality of the situation.
2: And probably investing in, uh, you know, updates or additions, mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to getting back out there and looking for a new home. It like might upsizing. be cheaper
0: to get a personal loan yeah. and add on to a property than it is to get a mortgage.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, as a matter of fact, good point there because, um, there were sellers that were considering a couple of years ago and they, they just dumped a bunch of money in their kitchen, updated their kitchen. They said they're perfectly happy and they're not going to move now. So, right. you know, that's that well, it and, can and, happen.
0: And, and where, where it, the, the rates on personal loans are typically going to be higher than a mortgage rate. I mean, it, it depends on the bank, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, But let's say you got a, a three, right? And then you're buying, let's say you want to put two, a $200,000 addition on your home. Well, so you're doing that at the higher rate. Well, it's still less than buying a new home with that same amount of mm-hmm. debt. Like that, that's where this is going to get funky for a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and then it doesn't solve the piece of, you know, I feel like there's a lot of like then you're you're taking these, um, you know, like middle of the road homes and now pushing them up into a whole nother category, mm-hmm. right. and they're not the initial home like. The first we time already, home buyer for home. the first time home buyer, we've already seen like a shortage of those yes. homes in different pockets. So if you just stay in yours and like build it up and take it to that next level, it's further decreasing the <laughs> pool.
2: Gosh, that's of a great point. Yeah, the, uh,
1: that first time home buyer
2: yep. house. Because <laughs> the new construction, I mean, if I don't know if you there's a couple of new construction uh places in Downingtown and already there's line, you know, waiting lists. Mm-hmm. So um, as soon as they open up the sales office, they're they're gone. But yeah. to me, they're not really first time home no, buyers. Like doll- they're like million dollar.
1: They're like you know starting, starting at eight hundred thousand. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. if you want to like have a door on your bathroom, <laughs> that's an upgrade. <laughs> so, right, or so. Like, how about some lighting? Yeah. Right. Lights. Oh, you want to see in here?
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's starting at it, right. You have to explain that to people because right. they see these price points and it's like mm, that's. Yeah, that's going to get you very, very basic. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, let's see if you're if you want this and that and the other, you're up into a whole different price category. Right. So, but that is even becoming not an option for right. the most part, especially right. like to your point about the first time homebuyers. Those homes that they're putting additions on and upgrading mm-hmm. are going to be out of their price point in a couple of years. Anyway, there's it's not a first time homebuyer house. Right. Right.
0: Well, and, and when you take that one step further, that, that, that there's there's not a lot of incentive for builders to even build those first-time home buyer right. properties. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, so if you give some... And, and this is, again, this is where the government could probably step in, give, like, some tax incentives to builders. Um, and, and this is maybe not even the national level. This is probably the local level. Some of these townships could lighten their zoning strategies a little bit. I know, I know there's a new development going into Radnor. It's like 38 townhomes. That's a drop in the bucket. That doesn't do much at all. And if you're, like, mixed-use condos, townhomes, like that. That's what the market really needs right now more than anything Mm -hmm. else. And, and so there's a lot that could be done here to fix this. I just don't know that we have anybody that we elected that's actually going to do it, which is very disappointing. So
2: no, they don't, they're not, they're not focused on these issues. They're focused on other issues, right? Non-issues.
0: Shame. (laughs) All right. On that depressing note, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about this anywhere uh, settlement that happened Last week, it was literally like as we went into the show, unpack that a little more next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool.
3: When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first time buyer programs and low down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com All right, all
0: right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We have Nick behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania, since 2018, we're streaming live every week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just look up. Tom Tool Sales Group, follow and subscribe. So last week, this might have been the big, I mean, we get breaking news every once in a while on the show, and considering it's weekly, I think that's amazing in itself. The Anywhere Settlement, so if you, if you don't know what this is, Anywhere Real Estate is the parent company for Century 21, Coldwell Banker, Sotheby's, a lot of different real estate brands. And they had a settlement agreement in two class action antitrust lawsuits dealing with buyer broker compensation to the tune of $83.5 million that uh, one of them is going to trial in uh, about a month and four days on October 16th. And anywhere is the first of all the named parties to settle. The other uh, named parties are the National Association of Realtors, REMAX, Keller Williams, Home Services, who's the parent company for Berkshire Hathaway. So now that this is, and we don't know the terms of the settlement, so now that this is, is settled and this news is shaken out, there's been a lot of industry reaction. And I'm clear there's going to be some changes that are made after digesting this from the show last week. And we had a team meeting about this. and we, we, I mean, we had a team meeting scheduled and we talked about this, I should say. It wasn't just about this. What do you think this means for the real estate industry as of right now? I mean, this, this is not insignificant news here.
1: I think it's going to take a little bit of time for any official changes to go through. Um, But I think it is um, a time to make sure that you are always showing your value um, and, you know, showing your worth and um, assisting your buyers more than just opening the door. Well said. We don't know
2: the terms of of the settlement. Right, so we don't know what that really means, but I agree with Sarah, like you have to know your value, you have to know what you're bringing to to mm-hmm. the buyers um, and the buyers need to understand that too. My concern is that it's just it's gonna create havoc for the buyers like yeah. they're mm-hmm. they're gonna be unrepresented, they're gonna try to do things on their own yeah. they're they're and this is how this whole buyer agency started anyway, right. so they're the consumer is gonna be um hurt in this process, I'm sure. Or they're gonna be going to the listing agents for everything. The listing agents are gonna be representing both sides. Or, you know, it, it's just to me, I don't see how I don't know. I think we need to know more information about the settlement. Right. And like you said, Sarah, it's gonna take time for it to be all sorted out and, and figured out. But one thing I do know the sellers aren't, you know, it's all negotiable at this right. point anyway. Right. They're not forced to pay um, the buyer's agency compensation, right? Um, or yeah, the broker uh, compensation, but um, it's kind of implied, or it's right. kind of because they do want to sell the house, right? You're going to reach more clients, you're going to reach more buyers, mm-hmm. they're going to be represented, it's going to make a smoother transaction, right? So that everybody gets to the finish line, and that's what both sides want anyway, right? Right. right.
1: Yeah. So people are missing out on those facts there. Right. And I think it's it's very easy to think that transactions could still just go through super smoothly until like all of a sudden this piece is taken out. And then it's like, oh, oh no, (laughs) like, you know, like it's really easy to be like, oh, we probably don't need that. I think it'll go fine. Like, huh. And then when it doesn't like. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, do you fix your own car when your car breaks down? Right. I bet I bet lawyers are going to end up getting more money. People will like go to their like real well, estate somebody, attorney instead of.
0: This is very interesting. You say yeah. that I I reached out to a for sale by owner mm-hmm. yesterday, maybe maybe Friday. I don't I can't remember. But I've made thousands of phone calls the past couple of weeks, and it was a lawyer advertising a for sale by owner, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I found to be very misleading. Yeah. Um, it's hey, well I'm I'm the one handling this, and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, do you have a real estate license? Right. Is that e- and I, I don't I don't I'm not a lawyer. I don't, I don't know what that means. I've seen lawyers do this before, and you're going to see lawyers come in and, and get paid to prep all the documents and, yeah. and do certain things. What lawyers don't do is market the property. Right. They don't navigate the details of the transaction. Sometimes they don't even know what to do in some of these situations. I mean, yeah. I've found that lawyers have made any real estate mm-hmm. transaction I've been involved with, and this is a sample size of thousands of homes. So I, I saw Stacy's reaction. That said <laughs> it all. I wish we could have made that into a sound for the radio. <laughs> uh, it was... Better than that, I should have seen it. <laughs> the, the point is, that all they do is overcomplicate it, and they're like, here's my fee. So right. there's a place for lawyers in some states, not in Pennsylvania. I'm going right. to go on record as saying that. Um, I, I, you two are right on. I mean, my, my, here's what I know. We only got a couple minutes left here. If you can't communicate your vi- value, why someone should be using you as a buyer or a seller, you're in a lot of trouble as a real estate agent. Using things like, hey, it's free for mm. you to use me. I mean, I've heard people say that. It's cringeworthy. No, the seller pays a fee for that. Right. And getting a, saying anything of here's the standard fee, here's the standard practice, you've got to get away from those terms. You know, things like saying things like, hey, here's our professional fee. We pay X amount to the other agent, and it's all in the contract and very clear. That's how you got to explain this stuff. And the agents who are going to get in a lot of trouble— are the ones that just send out the paperwork and don't explain it. And, and th- I mean, that's always been, I mean, we've seen that happen a lot and, and with, with a lot of folks where I didn't explain the docs, I just sent it to them. And, you know, that's the consumer's got some culpability there for not reading it. Right. There's going to have to be some serious training on this. And if I'm a real estate agent, I'm also being aware of, you ever see like those, those commercials that are on at night where, hey, if you were served the drug, blah, 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 <laughs> between 2015 yeah. and 2019, you're entitled to... Settlement funds yeah right. there's going to be some of those commercials coming out oh after God. this I'm, yeah, I'm and telling lawyers
1: you making more money yes they do well
0: the speculation on this is that a lot of these fees were going to go to legal uh, to legal representation in this proposed not not this settlement but the proposed cost of of the of the whole thing with all the companies involved so I mean you know we I recently was involved in uh, I live in uh, a local township and they were accused of overcharging for school taxes. So I, I got a check back. It was like 200 bucks. This is what I get back in the mail for living there for, I don't know, 12 years. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, what you, this is $25 a year. Like what was this? So yeah. I, I'm just, if agents, you know, if they're, if you're not able to communicate, here's why you should use me. You're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, there's legal zoom, there's turbo tax. I mean, there's people that pay a lot of money to accountants and that pay no money to accountants. There's mm-hmm. people that pay a lot of money to lawyers and then try to do things themselves, and usually the latter, thats when you get in a lot of trouble.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But the buyers are ultimately going to be paying for some representation, whether it be legal fees if mm-hmm. they hire an attorney, right, or if they do it themselves, they could be just really setting them, Yes, setting themselves up for yeah. some a bad situation. Right.
0: Well, we've seen that happen with discount brokers, where they yes. just—they don't give any advice, and they say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we'll, we'll we'll do less," and then they screw up the whole transaction. So. Yeah. This is going to be interesting to see what the settlement details are. We'll definitely break it here first on Tool Time Real Estate Radio, at least if it's on a Tuesday. That's it for this week's episode. you want to follow Sarah? She's on Instagram. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time with a T-Y. At Stacy, Stacy is at the number two, Mitchko on Instagram. You can follow me at TomTool3RD, at TomTool3rd. We're live every week, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up TomTool Sales Group, follow and subscribe, and we'll be back next Tuesday. On Tool Time, Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM.